Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a quote that is oftentimes attributed to Martin Luther. And in this quote, uh, Luther likely said these words. I have so much to do today that I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. What? That doesn't seem right. If you've got so much to do, if your calendar is full, aren't you supposed to wake up early, work right through your lunch, stay at work late, ignore your children, go to bed, past midnight, wake up and do it all over again? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Maybe that's one of the reasons why we have such a lack of peace in our lives. For this second week of Advent, we light the second candle on the Advent wreath as we focus on the theme, peace. Peace. It's a much-needed reality in this world in many different ways, in our own lives as individuals and in the, in the needed relationships that are conflict-ridden and stain relationships between people and communities and nations. If you ask most Americans what is needed to find peace in their own lives, I think you would hear things like this. Look within. Slow down. Take some deep breaths. And you will find, what do they call it? Oh, yes, your inner peace, right? Isn't that what you hear so often? Many people believe that the true peace for restless lives lies somewhere inside of people. However, I don't believe it. As a matter of fact, I don't think that inner peace is working out too well for many people. I don't think we need more inner peace. I think what we need is outer peace, extraordinary peace, peace that comes from without us, <laughs> right? peace that comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. This is what Jesus offers us in John chapter 14, verse 27, where he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is what Jesus offers. Where does the peace come from? Not from this world. I think this world is hungry and desperately in need of a peace that is extraordinary, a peace that is not of this world. It's desperate for the peace of Jesus. So today, let's consider some of the places that need peace. First, let's look at the lives of individuals. I don't know if you know this, but the most common mental illness in the United States today is anxiety. And I think that anxiety, you could say, is really the opposite of peace or the absence of peace. Just look at some of the statistics regarding the level of anxiety that many U.S. adults face. Anxiety disorders are the most common 
mental illness in the United States affecting about 40 million adults age 18 and older, or about 18.1% of the population. And that's age 18 and older. If you ask those dealing with high school age students as well, it is running rampant. Number two, anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only about 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment. And these statistics are from ADAA.org. Now, those of you who battle anxiety or those of you who have relatives that battle this disease know that it is real. It is a real disease affecting many million people. But I think also, even if people aren't diagnosed with uh, clinical anxiety, there are still plenty and millions more. Some of you sitting in this room who live life in a constant state of hurry, stress, and worry all the time. I even hear people say that the holiday season is supposed to be the most stressful time of the year. People say it as, as if that's a badge of honor that you've achieved. Many people in our culture think that living life hurried, stressed, and worried is the way that it's supposed to be, that it's a sign of productivity or importance or status. See, the world ironically teaches us that in order to be productive and successful, you need to look within and find that inner uh, strength that you supposedly have in order to accomplish everything that you need. And then when that doesn't work out, look even deeper to find some sort of peace that might be within there. How ironic, right? How can someone rely on themselves for so much strength and peace? Obviously, it's not working out for many people as they live life in a constant state of anxiety or hurry, stress, and worry. And so today I bring to you a countercultural message, one which flies in the face of what America tells you is productivity, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is one of peace. Peace. We throw that word around as if it means nothing, but Jesus says, I am peace, and there is peace for you. There is peace that's not of this world, peace that goes beyond your human understanding. I can give it to you. The angels announced it on the day of his birth. They said, peace on earth, goodwill to you on whom his favor rests. The biblical word in the Old Testament for peace is the word shalom. Maybe you've heard that word before, shalom. Shalom in Hebrew is a word that literally means well-being or completeness. But oftentimes it's translated as peace. Because what is peace but bringing back together that which is broken, that which needs healing and reconciliation and unity, that is by definition peace. In some Jewish communities, this is their greeting, and it is their form of goodbye. You would hear shalom as people greet one another, and shalom as they say goodbye, peace be upon you. We say it, hopefully, as we're shaking hands in the morning, maybe not just good morning, but also may the peace of God be with you. Peace is what's needed 
It's needed in the restless lives of individuals, and peace is what is needed in the conflict-stained relationships between peoples, communities, and nations. We read today in the gospel lesson from Luke chapter 10, Jesus, when He was preparing His disciples to send them out two by two, Uh, He would do this in order to prepare his way before he would enter a community. He would send his disciples ahead of him. And in Luke chapter 10, we saw the command that Jesus sent them with. Jesus said, when you go into a community, say these words. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. There is a pastor, an African pastor that I've listened to. He lives in Sierra Leone, Africa. Uh, He's a missionary pastor, and actually through his leadership, uh, there is a rapidly uh, multiplying network of disciple makers and churches happening in Sierra Leone and throughout Africa in primarily Muslim-dominated communities. Uh, the pastor's name is Shadonke Johnson. And, and through his leadership, what they do, their method of reaching into these Muslim-dominated communities is to follow this example. This is actually the language that they use when they enter into a new community. They look, first of all, for a person of peace. Okay? So they enter into a Muslim-dominated community, and what the Christians look for is a person of peace. Now, maybe if you think about it, you, maybe you could understand what this person might look like. Uh, somebody who's not hostile, uh, not divisive, uh, somebody who is open and receptive to the hearing of God's Word, and to the life-changing news that there is peace in Jesus Christ and forgiveness in His name. And so through this ministry in Africa, when they enter into these communities, they find a person of peace. And when they do, they do what Jesus said, they enter into that home and they speak peace into that home and they disciple that person of peace. And through that person, they become the chief disciple maker and Christian leader then in that community because peace is respected and peace is necessary for the restless souls in this world. People of peace, they look for people of peace and they look for households of peace. So here in America, I wonder, is your household a household of peace? Are you a person of peace? And I'm not just saying, yeah, you know, I'm a real chill person, you know, I don't have any problems with anybody. I'm not, I'm not talking about your inner peace I'm asking you, does the peace of Jesus Christ rule your life? Does the peace of Jesus rule your home and your house? I pray the answer is yes. But if it's not, what is it that needs to change? First of all, I would say if you are relying on yourself and your own inner peace, I would say Stop, first of all, relying on yourself and rely on the God of all peace. And maybe 
take Luther at his word and don't just laugh at him, but maybe when you look at your calendar and you see so much to do, maybe spend three hours in prayer because we ought to be people of prayer, people who open up the word of God and listen to the voice of God over and above the voice of this world. The conflict and the noise and the divisiveness of this world is way too loud. What we need is to be people of prayer saying to Jesus, Lord Jesus, fill my life with your peace. Surround me with your peace when this world is trying to get me to be anxious and worried. Give me something different, Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) I think those words of Luther are pretty good. Spend three hours in prayer. Maybe you think that's laughable. Maybe it sounds laughable, way too countercultural. But what's the alternative? I think Satan laughs at us when he keeps us so preoccupied with ourselves and us trying to keep our own lives in order that we are so distracted that we don't even recognize the God of all peace at work and in our lives and coming to us, I think so often we're so wrapped up in what we've got going on that we don't see the God of peace at work, wanting to work in our lives so that we can be households of peace and people of peace so this world can be a world of peace. As I've stated, I think peace is much needed in the lives of individuals. And it is much needed in this world in conflict-stained relationships between people, communities, and nations. You don't need me to tell you that we live in a divided world. There's nothing new under the sun. It's always been this way if you study history. But all you need to do is turn on the news, right, just for a minute. Scroll through the comments section on social media. Oh, divisiveness is so noisy. It is so toxic. It is running rampant in this world. It is destructive. And what is needed is peace. Peace that is not of this world. So how is it going to come? And when will it come? It is promised that there will be perfect peace at the second advent, the second coming of our King Jesus. When the Messiah returns, there will be perfect peace. He will make all things new. But until that day comes, it is our responsibility as people who are alive in Christ to live as people of peace bringing the peace of God into this world, fully filled with the powerful peace of Jesus Christ, living with peace in God and peace with others, desiring unity and reconciliation and not divisiveness and conflict. This is what people of peace do. So, do you? There is a painting. There's a painting called Holy Mountain. It's a painting done by an African-American self-taught artist by the name of Horace Pippin. And in this painting, he depicts a peaceable kingdom, the one that's prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 11, our Old Testament lesson for today. Isaiah chapter 11 is a prophecy about what the future looks like 
when our King Jesus, the Messiah, returns and brings about perfect peace. I want to show you this painting. We'll put it up on the screen. As you look at this painting, look carefully, and as you look at it and take it all in, I'm going to reread to you Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, and see if you can see these images. Isaiah says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You may notice in the foreground of this painting all of those descriptions that I just said of those beautiful images of the animals, predator and prey lying down together. But if you pay close attention, as one art commentator pointed out, Take a look just for a minute at the dark shadows in the forest. I don't know if you saw it before, but do you now notice the images of violence? On the far left, a lynched man hanging in the tree. In the center, bombers dropping bombs on a cemetery of crosses. And on the right, two armed soldiers and a tank. Do you see it? Yet the commentator writes this about this art. Horace Pippin chose to foreground the holy mountain, demonstrating that his hope was such a scene that would one day be actualized. And instead of turning a blind eye to the painful realities of a sad and violent world, Pippin presents a vision of mankind moving out of the shadows and into the brilliant light of a peaceful clearing. See, this is what we have in Jesus. We will have this fully in our future, nothing but perfect peace. But even now, in our Christian hope, we have it partly even now. Because we live in the light of our future hope, we are not dominated by the shadows of our past. We are dominated by the future hope. And the future eternal peace that is promised to us should be so overwhelmingly clear in our lives that we fear nothing, that we worry about nothing. Instead, as people who are alive in Christ, may the Spirit of the Lord rest upon us and grant us peace. I pray that we would be people of peace and that our homes would be households of peace, and that we would repent for the places and the times where we've contributed to divisiveness and conflict and anxiety and hurry and stress, and instead turn to the peace of Jesus Christ, so that in our peaceful living, the peace of Christ will rule richly. And as the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, I want to conclude with these words today. May the peace of God, 
which surpasses all human understanding. That means peace that goes beyond anything you can fathom. May it keep your hearts and your minds in the one true faith until life everlasting. Next week, as we join together, our third week in Advent will be the week of joy. A week of joy. And how appropriate that also next Sunday between services, our Sunday school kids will lead us in a program called Repeat the Sounding Joy. I look forward to gathering with you again to hear of this wonderful news in Jesus Christ our Lord. We go in His peace. Amen.